There's a lot that's familiar about this story. This is the kind of circumstance Jesus often found himself involved in. Questioned by those who were the keepers and the experts of the Mosaic law, synagogue leaders and scribes, and Jesus was often making them uncomfortable for his take and his understanding of the commandments. And when Jesus heals this woman in the synagogue, the synagogue leader, as had happened many times before in in similar circumstances, stood to complain because it was the Sabbath. And I will grant that if we look at the act of Jesus working on the Sabbath in the context of the Mosaic law, we might not be completely surprised of the synagogue leader's concern. After all, Exodus 20, 9-10 and the Ten Commandments is clear about resting on the seventh day. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. We heard the synagogue leader saying that. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God, and you shall not do any work, you and your son and your daughter, your female or your male or female slave, your livestock, or the alien resident in your towns. Well, it was the Sabbath. Jesus was seemingly going about the work he was often doing on this holiest of days and work that probably could have waited for the next day. There were exceptions to not keeping Sabbath rule. For example, if one had a person or or some livestock or animal that was in immediate danger, they could be rescued. Yet most all other things were to wait. And this was exactly the argument of the synagogue leader. He says there are six days for work. Come and be healed on those days and not on the Sabbath. And there's logic in his complaint. It's likely Jesus could have waited, as I've mentioned already. After all, she had suffered her condition for 18 years, and it seems reasonable to think that, well, maybe he could wait one more day, practically speaking. Sabbath was, and it is, a holy place and time, holy rest, Sabbath rest, spending time with God, It's intended to remind us that God freed Israel from bondage and slavery and being overworked in Egypt. Sabbath reminds us that we are all more than the labors we do and everyone and everything, all of creation, has the right to rest from the toil every seven days. So it's a matter of justice even. Mind you, this was more than a suggestion by the letter of the law. There were ramifications for ignoring the Sabbath. Leviticus 23 simply says, keep it completely. Chapter 26 of Leviticus, God warns of the ramifications and they're not, well, they're hard to hear. It lists things like terror and disease and fever and being conquered by enemies. It warns of bad crops, brutal droughts, family dysfunction and hostilities crime in the community, death, and, well, just about everything we might want to be afraid of were the ramifications for ignoring the Sabbath. So maybe the apprehension of the synagogue leader is understandable, maybe even well-founded. Yet, whatever his anxieties or whatever his motives were, Jesus clearly sees it differently. 
I was talking to our youth director, Tim, and I hope he feels better soon. He moved to Warren County this last week, and he brought with him some farm animals, a cow and a goat among those. And he kept them in a barn before he could get the fence built, and that's where they stayed safely for the few days that they had, while they were building the fence. And now the fence is done. He came in the office this week and said, well, I've got the fence done, but now all the animals want to stay in the barn. <laughs> They've gotten so used to that. It's become their home that going out there in the wide open just was a little too much for them. And hopefully they'll begin to venture out and enjoy their, their new freedom of the larger pasture soon. And I laughed, but I immediately thought of this story today. And I immediately thought of myself and how we can be as people of God sometimes. Like the synagogue leader, we can get so used to things, even lesser things, that when we're free to obtain more, and there's more than, that we can receive from God than we ever have, we don't choose it. And likewise, we can get so used to our ideas of God and what it means to follow Jesus that we're not as free as we could be to see that there's more of God that we have to learn. As God's people, we have always struggled with this. We've always struggled to see that God is more than we can fathom. And so we keep God small and we keep our expectations even smaller. And the problem with this, as our story today reveals, that often this keeps us from caring for those God wants us to care for. Jesus wants to set us free. He wants to open us up to see that there is more freedom in following God. He wants to free us from two legalistic observations, and he wants to free us to participate in the healing of God's people. But we must ask, where does the line, where do we draw the line? How free can we be? How do we keep from sliding down that proverbial slippery slope? As my alarm goes off. That has never happened. Should I answer it? No. <laughs> Sorry about that. <laughs> I got a warning there. Draw the line. Stop here, preacher. Because I didn't set that alarm. <laughs> But where does Jesus want to draw the line? Where do we draw the line? How do we keep, as I said, going down that slippery slope? And how do we keep from letting the animals out of the barn and running away on us, in other words? Dallas Willard once noted that we Christians tend to focus a lot on sin management. His idea is there, what, there are those times which we're, when we're tempted to purely look at what's wrong to point out what is wrongdoing or, or wrong being. We focus a lot on not making mistakes, not ignoring sin, either we, else we let things get too far out of hand. And we worry how far we can go in our freedom that Christ wants to give us. Granted, Jesus is often betrayed as this free will and spiritual rebel. Someone once said that, wrote that Jesus moved beyond the rules to help her. Another person wrote that Jesus thought that, that this woman was more important than the Sabbath laws. And another wrote that 
by keeping the laws that it would just bring her pain. And so they needed to be ignored in this case. But I wonder, this characterization of this rebellious Jesus or this provocative Jesus, is it really helpful? Because we have Jesus also saying to us, for most certainly I tell you, until heaven and earth pass away, not even one smallest letter or one tiny pen stroke shall in any way pass away from the law until all things are accomplished. Is there another way then to understand Jesus' ways? To consider that what Jesus did in healing this woman on the Sabbath was not about moving the goal. He had bent nothing. He had broke nothing. Could it be that instead Jesus shows us instead that the Sabbath laws were in fact on his side? That these commandments required that he heal her on this day. Hear me out. This woman had been sick for 18 years. A crippling disease. She could not even stand up straight because of it. She was tired, I must think. She must have been weary and I suppose never fully rested when the Sabbath day came. In other words, she had not been able to Sabbath because of her toil. She never got a break. She had to have been, as the late Fannie Lou Hamer once said, sick and tired of being sick and tired. So while the synagogue leader is worried about people not working on the Sabbath and not breaking the rules, he stands up to do his own kind of work. He stands up and repeats over and over again, it seems, working hard to maintain his good order, but at the cost of ignoring those who could not, even if they wanted to rest on the Sabbath day of rest, it was not hers to know. So one might argue if there is a sin to be dealt with here, it's that of his and not seeing the toil in others. Jesus saw that she was not able to Sabbath he saw that she was not fully participating in the Sabbath. So he simply invites her over. He puts a hand on her. And after 18 years, she stands tall. And she has peace. And she can rest. And I cannot think that that is the sin of the story. The sin of the story is being too busy trying to manage sin at the expense of not seeing those as Jesus saw them like her. So in Christ, the Sabbath met her. The kingdom came close to her. And some stood up to sneer. But she and many others stood up to cheer and to give God the glory. And the question for us in our life and in our being is, will we stand as the synagogue leader does? Yes, we are called to be more than rule followers. But the rules are still part of the relationship we have with God and one another. Keeping good order is not bad. And although Tim wants his animals to journey outside the barn, he wants to be sure they stay in the pasture and in the safety of that larger pasture he's gifted them. And Jesus talks about sheep and shepherds and gates in the very same way. And you and I need a more mature understanding of such things. We must all engage in the theological task of seeking to understand the nature of God, yet with the humility that we have more to learn. 
I have no doubt that we all want to know what the Bible says about a lot of things. But to what degree are we each willing to put in time reading that Bible? Are you spending time in it? What does it say? What does it not say? Who do we encounter in the Bible and how are we like them? How are we different? Are we doing this together? There is no reading of the scriptures that does not require interpretation, maturity, the reading, and the help of the Holy Spirit. Even so, there is in our faith and understanding a constant paradox, a constant tension that we live in, and perhaps in no other time more than now in our life and in our world. How do we understand freedom, hospitality, grace, and forgiveness? What are the limits to those? Even Jesus talked about the narrow gate and the broad road in which one of them led to the kingdom. We can struggle and we can feel unsure at times that we are indeed being faithful to God's expectations. But let me offer that this tension that we feel, the struggle that we feel, that's what faith feels like. Faith is never comfortable. Faith always pulls us challenges us and last week sometimes even divides us but in philippians chapter 2 verse 12 therefore my dear friends as you have always obeyed not only in my presence but now much more in my absence continue to work out your salvation with does anyone remember what fear and trembling fear and trembling therefore May our faith let us see beyond our own understandings. And may it always help us set aside all things that bind us. May we be willing to step back from chapter and verse and to understand the context of the Bible and the place for which we stand and live today. A dear friend's son once spent a, whole, a lot of time in Africa helping provide clean water in, in various communities, and he would stay with families which led him to have many meals while he lived there with them. But what he soon discovered was that they eat and have very different table manners than he did back home. Their meals of family are served on a blanket or on a short table, and everyone sits around it, and the, the meal is in the middle of everybody. And the proper way to eat is to squat like a catcher, put your left, time, left hand behind your left knee, and to eat with your right hand. And that's the posture for which everyone in the family is asked to eat. That's the house rules, you might say. Understanding this was not the hard part. The hard part was he wasn't used to it. This was hard for this young man, and it hurt him to eat every night. And so finally one night, the mother of the house noticed how much pain he was in, and she stood up to do something I thought was a very powerful metaphor or example for you and me today. She simply brought him a bucket to sit on so that he could enjoy his meal without pain and that he would not be burdened by the rules of how one comes to the table together. But do you see what she did? Did she change the rules? No, she didn't. But what she did was recognize that being punished by these rules needed to be interpreted for a moment of grace. The rules for eating were not bad. They kept a good purpose and they needed to be kept, but she also knew that that meal was to be shared in joy 
and freedom together. God does not bring any burdens to us, but seeks to free us. May you and I never lose sight of our purpose or the purpose of the kingdom. Let us be wise and mature and willing to learn that we never do harm with the good news of Christ. The teaching here is not about a rebellious Jesus. It's not about having a free license to do whatever we want to as people of faith. I contend that Jesus did not break a single rule. Stories like this need a more mature interpretation, I believe. Instead, Jesus didn't need to wait to the next day to heal her because he knew that the Sabbath wanted to meet her. He knew God wanted her to rest. And so he simply laid his hand on her and she was healed because of it. And if we can see this, may it be among us today. May every encounter, every relationship that we have be one of grace and mercy and God's healing. Thanks be to God. Amen. I invite those of you who are able to stand and join in singing our hymn of discipleship number 430, O Master, Let Me Walk With Thee. <laughs>